Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 16 of the Flying Free Podcast. Rachel is with me today. Hello, Rachel. Hi, I'm so glad we could finally get connected and and sit down for another episode. Yes, we were just talking before um, just a couple minutes ago and just catching up on our lives. And um, what we're going to be talking about today is it's, we meant to talk about this a long time ago, but a few weeks ago, I wrote a uh, basically a, a blog article responding to an article that DesiringGod.org had put out um, about, let's see, the name of it was, um, oh my goodness, I have to try to find well, it. Well, the now. name of the Desiring God article is You Don't Get to Grieve However You Want. And the name of your article is A Glass of Lemonade with a Mouse Turd at the Bottom. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Yes. I've got my blog article open and all of a sudden I'm realizing... I'm going to have to scroll down and try to find what the name... Okay, so if you want to look up, you know, the article that DesiringGod.org wrote, that, you know, you'd look up the name of that, We Can't Grieve However We Want by DesiringGod.org, and you could read it. Um, Just be... (laughs) Trigger warning. Just be prepared to feel a little bit ill when you read it. But um, And then I wrote an answer article, but Rachel and I want to talk more about this because this, this whole idea of making extra rules or feeling like you there's a certain way to do things that's extra biblical it's not in the bible like for example this one was talking about grieving as if there is a specific way that we should grieve it's very it's very um shaming then if you don't grieve the way you know person a says you're supposed to grieve and then also the other problem that you run into is that well there's as, as many different people as there are living on this earth, they're all going to have their own grid for how you should do certain things. So which way do you do? I mean, who are you going to follow? Mm-hmm. And they're all, and the ones that are Christians are going to say, well, the Bible, I believe the Bible says this. Well, I believe the Bible says this. Well, I believe the Bible. And they're going to pull out their verses to back up their own particular view. And then you're left feeling, I mean, how many times have, Rachel, have you felt like, well, which way is the right way? Because when you, you know, you have different friends, some friends are homeschooling, yes. some friends are um, doing co-ops, some friends have public school kids, some yeah. friends have, you know, and, the, and you're just like, well, which way is the best way to educate my children? And they all have biblical reasons for why they're doing what they're doing. And you're trying to figure out based on what other people are doing rather than, well, rather than doing it the way that God's calling you to do it and using your own wisdom Oh, and I, I wanted to bring up one more thing, and then Rachel, I'm going to have you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have you share um, your perspective here. But I put in this. I put this quote in the blog article. It said it's by C.S. Lewis, and it says, "It is Christ Himself, not the Bible, who is the true Word of God." This comes from John chapter one, very first couple of verses in John chapter one. The Bible, read in the right spirit and with the guidance of good teachers, will bring us to him, to Jesus, okay? Jesus Christ. He's the center of all things. We must not use the Bible as a sort of encyclopedia out of which texts can be taken 
for use as weapons. And that's what people do. They take texts out of context or they take text to prove their point and they use it to beat up other people who won't have, who, who have a different perspective or who have a different idea. And Jesus, his life over and over again showed how he, he wasn't interested in rules of men. He was interested in living his life a life of love towards human beings, individuals. He looked at the Samaritan woman as an individual, not as a part of a group or a, you know, he didn't put her in a, in a box of, well, these, she belongs to this box of people over here. And he didn't do that. He looked at her as a person. He looked at her specific individual life and her circumstances and her experiences. And he loved her right where she was at, or like the man with the withered hand. He loved that man right where he was at and he healed that man's hand. It didn't matter if it was on the Sabbath or who was looking or what the rules were. He cared about that man that human being, that life, that's who Jesus was and that he was and is the word of God. And if we are followers of him, we will follow his example and we will live that kind of life rather than a life that's constantly beating other people up with, well, I say the Bible says this and if you don't do it, then you get kicked out or you're not part of our group or, you know. So anyway, that's my little rant. So Rachel Rachel is a much more gentle and sweet and probably logical person than me. So why don't you give your position on this whole thing? I I have to admit, I don't feel very gentle right now because (laughs) there are things, there are certain things that get me angry. And I will tell you that the biggest thing among those is when people put burdens on other people that keep them from God. And keep them from knowing Jesus. Yes. And living in his love. Yeah. Because that's what that does in this article. There is a heaping of shame that is given. Mm -hmm. And everyone has grief in their life because that is the reality of living in this world. Yep. And when you feel that shame because you haven't done it the right way, as desiring God says that you should, you feel separated from God. You feel like you can't even begin to approach the throne of grace because you are so mired and, and it's these extra chains that are put on you. And I can tell you that is the way that shame, living in that shame and those chains and that feeling of never being able to measure up is the experience of living in an abusive marriage or living exactly. in an abusive situation. Yes. And I felt that. I've come to realize that recently with an encounter I had with um, in, in my ex-husband where I just, I was, I was brought back to that feeling of shame and just utter separation from God. And that is exactly where the devil wants us. He wants us not to live in the love of Jesus Christ and the grace that he gave us on the cross. Yep. He, he provided for us. And the fact that um, he, he doesn't want us to live in the reality that we, because of him, because we wear his, his, his sacrifice like a cloak, we can boldly approach the throne. He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to live in the bondage of our sin and of our shame and of the fact that we know that we will never measure up to who God is. Yeah. He wants us there. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, you brought up a really good point that when you look at these individual homes where you see emotional and spiritual abuse taking place, um, that is a microcosm 
of what's happening on a macro level in the church of Jesus Christ at large, but even more macro than that in the spiritual world that we can't see. There is a spiritual battle going on between Jesus Christ and the enemy for the souls of people and, and for the souls of women and children. And when, wherever you see this kind of marginalizing or, uh, you know, that you see in racism and other kinds of things, but you also see it in this whole gender thing with, mm-hmm. with women being put in, into a status of, you know, there's complete inequality. Women are put into the status of basically being children in their homes mm-hmm. and the whole, and the reason, so men who are doing this or churches that are marginalizing women, they may not be able to articulate what they're doing. They don't know they I don't think they're aware. Maybe some people are aware, but I don't think they're aware. They're yeah. just living in deception and they don't they even are. know it. I think so. I think that they think that they're actually being benevolent and kind towards women and protective yes. of women. It's like, like a, a, you know, like a mother protecting her child. We need to protect these little children of ours, these little women of ours. And not only and, the reason for that is because they don't understand the true heart of God. They're doing what it talks about in that C.S. Lewis quote, quote, where they take the verses and use them as a, as a something to, um, they're, they're, they're seeing the, the trees, but not the forest. They don't see the heart of God and his purpose for humans. Go ahead. Right, right. Well, and if you consider that God himself, the whole, the whole, I believe that the Bible teaches that the purpose for men and women is, is to work together side by side to bring the gospel to the nations. Yes. And Satan has been able to successfully undermine half of the human race in that mission. And, and also... Uh, neutralize them so that they are not working together, helping one another and become, and being effective because they're so busy in fighting and all of that kind of stuff. So, and, and abuse in the home is just a picture of also what's happening on the bigger level in the church. I believe that if the church mm-hmm. had, if there was repentance and the church was able to see, you know, the men who are controlling and running the churches were able to see what they're doing and bring instead of coddling women and treating them like children, bring them, raise them up to this, the place where that God has them. Okay. God views women completely different in a completely different way than how these men are viewing women, mm-hmm. raise them up and, and let them be free to fulfill their gifts and the, their God given gifts and their God given skills and, and skill sets and talents. And then what we would see, I believe is we would see the true, we would see the true body of Christ in all of its fullness and wholeness, reaching out to the world. And then the world would be able to see, the world is going to be drawn to the, not everyone, yeah. but you know, the world generally speaking will be drawn to the love of Jesus Christ. They don't see that. When they look at the church, they see misogyny. They see abuse. They see spiritual abuse. They see um, in, in America today, the evangelicals, I, I don't even call myself an evangelical anymore because of, the what what that word is associated with in our country today it has mm-hmm. stands for nothing that mm-hmm. i stand for and it is nothing of jesus christ it is the antichrist in my opinion okay and it uh, presents as an angel of light but it's not at all and because it's not it's not love 
It's, it's hatred. It's, it's vile, judgmental hatred towards human beings. And that is not what Jesus Christ, that's not how he lived his life. That's not what he represented. What's even worse, Natalie, is you're exactly right. It is vile, judgmental hatred towards human beings. And it's worse because it's in the name of Jesus. Yes. And they will say that all day, all day long, that they're, they're just doing what the Bible says. And, and they, you know, they follow the God of the Bible. But what they've done is they've looked at the Bible like a set of rules instead of as a way to, to find out who Jesus Christ is and God's plan for humanity. Yep. They're, taking, they're, they're, doing, they're, they're taking those verses out like they did in the Desiring God article on grief. Um, the one verse, one verse in First Thessalonians, and he's made an entire um, dogma or, or doctrine out of it about yep. how you're supposed to grieve missing the entire heart of God's, God's um, plan and purpose and love towards human beings that he created. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. It's really insane. It, it makes tragic. me so angry and it is a, such a lie. And, it, and I, just, I just, Lord, your will be done here and, and just come quickly, Lord, because we need your justice and we need your truth. And um, I just, every day I'm like, you know what? I just want God to come. I just want his, I just want his kingdom here on earth. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Cause I just can't wait for the day that is, is given. And the truth is, is put before us. And I want to talk about truth, Natalie, because the, 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 the really destructive part of that article on desiring God is this idea. And he doesn't come out and say it, but this idea that you've got to put on these behaviors because this is what God expects of you, even if it may not be the truth of your reality inside. Right. So he expects that you're going to have this certain appearance. Yeah. Um, you're going to be, you know, if, you, if you're grieving, you're going to have um, the same level of involvement in church. You're going to, um, you know, not for sit, you're not going to, have any disruption in the way that you care for other people or serve other people. And that's the expectation that's established. Even if that is not your, 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 that is like far beyond your capacity inside because of the depths of your grief. Right. Okay? And right. you have to pretend like that grief doesn't exist and you're not allowed to take it to God because you've got these things to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And instead of being honest with God about how, you know, you've got these questions, you don't understand, um, things just are so topsy-turvy in your world. Instead of being honest with God about how that's affecting you, uh, um, you, have to, you have to keep going and, and um, <laughs> be, a, be a whitewashed tomb. And right. Have, have, a, um, have a, an appearance of godliness, Right. Right. And not real godliness because your heart's not there. And all no. the while you're, you're feeling more and more distant from God because you, you have this, these chains of expectation on you. Um, and, you and, and these chains of expectation you think are, gonna, are what God expects of you. But um, in, the, in the meantime, you're, drawing, you're, you're becoming further and further. Your heart is further and further from him because you're really living a lie. Well, right. And you, when you perpetuate that kind of attitude amongst people, you, I, I mean, I went to a church where there really was a lot of, there was a feeling, not amongst everyone, not everyone gave you this sense or this feeling, but there were people there where you felt like you had to be a certain way or look a certain way 
or have your kids look a certain way or else you would be viewed as not very spiritual or, you know, like a baby Christian or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you needed to, you know, just as a less than kind of a person, Yeah, your value really wasn't as good as maybe those who were, had a better appearance on the outside. And what that does is that sets up a a atmosphere of denial Mm -hmm. and cover up Mm -hmm. and shame and nothing good can thrive when you've got, in fact, I read somewhere that denial is the beginning of all pathology. Yeah. So you got a whole, you know, you've got a whole system that's pathological because it thrives on, well, it's not thriving, but I mean, it's built on this foundation of denial. Yes. Of reality. Yes. We were made to live in truth. Yeah. That is how God designed us. He did not design us to have, to put on airs, to have a nice set of standards that we follow, but have a completely different reality inside. Yeah. We are made to live in truth from the inside out. Yep. And you know what it reminds me of um, in, in Galatians, I was just reading this morning in Galatian, Paul is, he's, he's having this really strong language for the Galatians because they had, they had heard the truth and stepped into the truth and he had um, brought them into the gospel of the truth of Christ. And then he'd left. Right. And so he's writing to them because he's heard that they're going back to the old rituals, the old familiar ways that makes them feel safe. Like, um, observing, you know, certain days, um, as holy or whatever, and following those rituals, circumcision, etc. And, um, and he was rebuking them because they felt like that was going to bring them to God. And that was what they needed to do. Yeah. And he's saying, no, don't, you know, s- stop, stop living like this. And, um, he gets frustrated with them. You know, he's saying like, I wish you, you know, if the p- people who are telling you, you need to be circumcised, they should just castrate themselves. Might as well. Right. If they're going to do that. Right. So he's, he's saying, don't stop, stop following it, you know, in these false ways of thinking that you can get to God with these right. rituals and, and these practices, step into the love of Jesus, wear him like a cloak, right. um, live in his mercy. Um, and it's just two separate things, two separate ways of thinking about things. And you can, I think you're it, it, the way to, to, to really get, um, into the love of God and to, and to, to get, step into that freedom is to start by being honest with God. Mm-hmm. So if you're stuck in the depths of grief, if your child died, if your marriage is exactly um, a nightmare, you, and, and you, uh, you know, even to the point where you, you somehow think that that was God's fault or you, you're, you feel cut off from him and you feel like you can't love him because of this, Start by being honest with him about that yep. because he will draw you and he's going to start from that point and he's going to start revealing his truth to you. And it is scary because we don't, a lot of times we don't even know the truth about ourselves. We don't know what's going on at the core of ourselves. It requires some really scary introspection and, and some painful feeling, getting in touch with painful feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we're not going to heal. We're not going to um, really live in God's love if we don't start with the truth. Right. As ugly, as much as we don't want it to be the truth, as, 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 as horrifying and as scary as it could be, we're not going to heal until we start with the truth. Right. Well, and also we're not going to be able to connect with other people on a deep, intimate, meaningful level 
Yes. If we aren't willing to go to those deep places inside of ourselves, because everyone is walking around with shame. Yes. And the only way to expose that and to deal with it is to face it and to, and to accept who we are as human beings before God, because he, he accepts us that way. Mm-hmm. But we, if, we can't, if we can't be honest about the fact that we struggle with anger, that we struggle with even feelings of like, or wishes that, you know, someone that, that is hurting us would just die. You know, I talked to so many women who really struggle with that. I just wish yes. he was dead and I feel so horrible. I feel like, um, you know, what do I do with all of these intense feelings? And, mm-hmm. you know, if they were to share that in some of their churches or with some of their people, well, some of them have, and they're, they're castrated for that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not allowed to have real thoughts. Yep. You better get in line. You better get in line, right? Yeah. You better start, start putting these rituals on. Um, better go get circumcised. That's basically what it is. Right. Here's the secret though, Rachel, every, for every single time, those of you who are listening, think of someone that you've told something really hard and then you've been judged for it. You've been Mm -hmm. told, you know, well, you could have done this and here's what I do. And why didn't you do this? And blah, 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 blah. Whoever told you those things, you might look at that person and think, oh man, you know, you might feel shame because you think, well, I just have this problem, but they obviously don't and they have their life together and they know the answers and I don't. Here's a little secret. They don't know the answers. They are just as full of shame inside. In fact, the fact that they're judging you and heaping shame upon you is a 100% indicator that they, are, that they have deep shame inside of themselves. And the only way that they know to, oh, what is, I know I'm going to say this word wrong. Assuage, assage, assuage. Assuage, okay, thank assuage. you. Mm-hmm. See, I'm just a normal person, all right? I don't know how to say that word. Assuage, assuage, Okay. Assuage. The only way that they can assuage, that just doesn't sound right. Do you ever say? I know. Ever, now it doesn't. I know. <laughs> now it doesn't. Natalie, I remember, and I think. It, I remember being a little I, girl and saying my name over and over again and going, is that real? Is that a no, real, like, can you put those? Real life people don't say that word. They only, we only read it. So I that's know. We know. You're right. <laughs> we, we've never really had to say it out loud before. I know exactly the word you're saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. Okay. We are totally going to leave that in there because this is like real stuff. Okay. This is All real. right. We are not going to hide. Our- <laughs> I, am, I refuse us. to hide my ignorance. Okay. So anyway, assuage. They're not able to, ass- or they are, they, the only way that they're able to assuage that feeling of shame in themselves is to keep it on somebody else or to feel yeah. like, well, I'm better than them because at least I've got this area together. Yeah. Now they might have that area together, but they might not. And for sure, they've got other areas that they don't have together. So you have to remember that anyone who looks at you and says horrible things to you about your Christianity or, and a lot of you have had people say things like that, because when you stand up to abuse, you will have Christians who will look you in the eye and tell you you're not even a Christian and they will do it with full conviction 
because the, because this is a thing. This is a very strong and intense spiritual battle. Yeah. And Satan absolutely hates your guts, okay? So he's going to do everything he can to, to accuse you, to um, shame you. And so Christians are going to say these things to you. When they do, you need to remember that that person saying those horrible things to you is also very broken inside yeah. and very full of shame. And, and, and hope that someday that person will be able to be honest with themselves and get the help that they need to heal their inner shame. But you need to move on from them because they're not healed yet and they're not going to help you. Move on from them over and try to build relationships with people who are real. Think of the movie Stepford Wives. You know, those wives were walking around like robots I saw that movie years ago. I can't remember anything about it other than it seems like one person kind of started waking up and was, yeah, was it Bette Midler? Was she in that movie? Uh, I don't, did you see that? I, I think I did, but my memory shot too, so. Okay. <laughs> well, I feel like, I could be totally wrong, but I feel like Bette Midler was one of those people. And she, she started waking yeah. up and was trying to like get people to, so she was being real. Uh-huh. and exposing stuff. And then she got in trouble. I got to watch that movie again. Huh. Anyway, um, you know, because now it'd be interesting to watch it with the perspective that we have now. Yeah. I really think I'm going to, I'm totally going to watch that movie this weekend. <laughs> okay, so, you know, with all of my extra time. Right. So anyway, <laughs> so anyhow, I think of that, like we're, you are waking up and you are becoming real, realer. Oh, there's another, there's another, I'm thinking of another what is that book where they talk about that? Oh, oh, I know. It's the, it's the, um, you know, that bunny, that bunny, the, the velveteen rabbit. Oh, you ever, do you know what that I is? Have not, I didn't read that as a kid. No, oh my goodness. Okay. So some of you know what I'm talking about in that story. There's this stuffed animal who is so loved by his little boy owner that, and eventually though he get the little boy gets, gets a fever. Uh, I don't know what kind of illness, but it's a, you know, it's a contagious illness. And then all of his toys have to be burned, but somehow the, the velveteen rabbit gets away and becomes a real rabbit. And the whole idea behind the story is that when the more loved you are, the more real you become mm. and you are waking up and becoming more real as you realize you're worn out and you're old, but as you realize how loved you are by God, this isn't part of the story. I'm just like drawing an analogy here, but you are so loved by Jesus. Yes. And you are becoming more and more real as you get more and more tucked into him, keep your eyes on him and let him surround you. Let him become the essence of who you are, which is love. Mm -hmm. and, and, and realize that he is the only one that you serve and he is your only God. And those people around you with the condemning voices, they are broken and they need his love too. And the thing that's keeping them from stepping into that is their shame. And that shame looks like judgment towards you and judgment towards themselves and judgment towards everyone else. Right. Okay. And, right. and sh shame blocks us from, from really emotionally, like we may understand God loves us on an intellectual level. That's never been a problem for me. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like just like marinating in his love and knowing it on an emotional level at a heart level, mm -hmm. like yep. the deepest levels of yourself. That is yep. what's going to change you. That's what's going to make love pour out from you. Yep. 
to other people around you. I, I have a, I have one thing I wanted to share with you guys. I have, um, I have several children. I have nine children. I was having a conversation with one of them and we were talking about religion and this particular child doesn't go to church anymore. Um, he's got a really good head on his shoulders. And I was telling him about, you know, he really believes that we got out of a cult. <clears throat> and I was, and he's shared some of his experiences with his secular friends that he works with. And they have just been appalled, you know, just mm-hmm. totally shocked. Okay, so which just goes to show you, the world is not attracted by this kind of hatred and, and, mm-hmm. and control and, and uh vile behavior. They're not, they're not attracted to that. They're not impressed by it. And they, and what they do is unfortunately they associate that kind of behavior then, like you were saying earlier, Rachel, with Jesus Christ. And that's not, so I was having a conversation with this child and I was an older child and I was saying, you know, it doesn't, it all boils down to Jesus. I've just had to, you know, I'm not going to church anymore either right now. I hope that someday I can find a safe place, but I have just had to say, I had to focus my uh, my eyes on just Jesus and just, re- you know, get into the gospels and learn who Jesus was. And I've, I've said this before in different venues, but if you are a new listener and you've never heard me say this before, I encourage you to put everything else aside, put all of your religious notions aside, put all of your theology aside, put all of the books of the Bible aside, except maybe the Psalms and just read the gospels the book of John is the one I focus on because that book talks a lot about Jesus love, but learn about who Jesus was because that is what C.S. Lewis said about Jesus being the word of God. He is the word of God. He is God. So if you want to know who God really is and what God really thinks about the world and what God's mission actually is in the world. And if you want to align yourself, like get in straight alignment with God and his mindset and his worldview, know who Jesus is. What did Jesus do when he was on this earth? How did Jesus treat people? What are the kinds of things that he said? What are ways that he blew people out of the water? He was not, he did not follow social norms. He did not follow the religious norms of the day. He was complete, he was a total rebel. That's why they crucified him. Yes. So, and if we are going to be like him, we are going to not be, you know, crucified, although some Christians are tortured and murdered for their faith, but we will be crucified in other ways. We will be, we will be, people will lie about us like they lied about Jesus. People will make up stories about it. People will call us sons of the devil. People will, they will throw religion, they will throw the Bible scriptures at us and say how we aren't living according to God. They'll say that we don't belong to God, that we aren't Christians. All of those things that they did to Jesus, they will do to us. So don't be surprised when that happens. And if you stand against abuse, if you rise up and if you take your stand on this particular battlefront, you will be attacked. Just expect it. But also know that just as Jesus had his father on his side, you will have God on your side because you're going to be in alignment with him. And you'll, and so you will have that. It's like the North star. You will have that in your sights. And even when things get horrible and you feel really beat up and shot and exhausted inside, you keep that in, you keep, it's like a, like, it's like a rod that runs through your body or like an anchor that just keeps you centered. He is your center. Not He's your the, source. 
Yes. He's your source because we're the vine and or we're the branches and he's the vine. He's flowing into us mm-hmm. and empowering us yeah. to live in that love. Well, I think that wraps up today's episode. Did you want to say anything? Yes. There is a book I want to share that my counselor recommended to me. I have been um, really trying to hone in on the truth about God and the truth about myself. And um, this is a book. It's called uh, The Gift of Being Yourself, The Sacred Call to Self-Discovery. It's by David Benner. And when my, when my counselor said the title, I was like, oh, that sounds really new agey. Oh, there's the gift of being yourself. Well, yourself is a sinner, you know, and that's <laughs> how we've been there, right? Like that's, the, yeah. that's <laughs> we yeah. know people who say stuff like that. But I will tell you, it, this book is, it is um, really grounded in God. And, and it is such an interesting perspective on getting to know who you are at your core so that you can have a better relationship with God. It is, it's more, it allows you to bring God into that at a deeper level than you've, you know, been an intimate with him in before. So I, it's David Benner, the gift of being yourself, the sacred call to self-discovery. It's a pretty thin volume. Um, and I'm working my way through it and it's been a huge blessing. Thank you for that recommendation. I'll put that in the show notes with a link too. So, all right. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode. And until next time, fly free.